Welcome to the Metaversible Podcast, chronicling the journey of reaching the metaverse through blockchain, digital art, and virtual reality. Welcome back to the Metaversible Podcast, where we explore the art and the science of the metaverse, this digital world in which we live in. Again, I am one of your hosts, Chris Cochran, and as always, I'm joined by my best friend and co-host, Ron Eddings. So glad to be back in the metaverse. And we're about to take another red pill and dive right in. Who do we have with us today, Ron? Today, we have with us Jiminy. Jiminy is the builder for the Kingdom of Dwarves. NFT project and former esports professional and real life farmer. Jiminy, that is a lot to dissect, but welcome to the Metaversible Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a good one. You know, usually we dive right into the metaverse, but I guess this is kind of the metaverse. You got to tell us about this experience of going pro in Counter-Strike. Like, how did you work your way up to that? How were you exposed to that world? And what was that journey like altogether? Yeah, that's a great question. And the really, the answer is that I couldn't be stopped. You know, I just got <laughs> so addicted from a young age and I that's all I wanted to do. I was always active in sports and stuff, but you know, you got to have something to do in your downtime. And I was all about gaming and getting into Counter-Strike before esports was even a thing. So it's pretty cool being in the NFT space now and already being used to people telling you you're wasting your time or you're into something weird. Because, you know, I went through that in esports for sure. I grinded from, you know, I was just like a teenager getting into scrimmages and working my way up and looking up to these players in the scene that were just incredible and you know from there i just i just kept going and going deeper and uh you know you get kicked from a couple teams you make your own team and next thing you know you're going to local land tournaments and people are recruiting you and it just kind of snowballed from there yeah and it was a wild time in like the early 2000s getting into esports and and seeing how that whole scene would go and it was very early days so Break it down. Tell us how the practice would go. Like, how do you just get better at, at Counter-Strike? How do you go pro? Is it, is it you officially get your pro card? Do you just get sponsored by someone? Like, explain, like, the your personal endeavor of going through going pro. Yeah, so back in the day, as I'll say, <laughs> it was a lot different than it is now. Uh, I think all the players, if you wanted to make it to the top, you kind of had to put in your own time and money. So there weren't many contracts except for the top teams and things like that. But so really, you know, I realized early on was like, I just, I need to just like play so much. I would go into deathmatch servers for hours and just get locked in and work on everything. You know, I like take it really seriously and really treat it like I was playing against the best people I could and then just putting in the time and then finding other people who were just as motivated. And that was one of the trickiest parts, you know, is like getting a full team of five together on the same page, just as dedicated. Because, you know, it's like a, there's a lot of outside pressure from people saying, maybe this isn't like the best idea or esports isn't going anywhere. We now know they're wrong. But so, you know, it was really like putting in those 12 hour days, keeping your head down and just trying to be as insane at the game as possible. But then to actually break into the scene, it looked like traveling. I actually traveled down to Dallas for an international tournament. That was my second tournament. And that was kind of like the moment 
that was, you know, getting into this huge hotel, getting into their giant events room, and there's hundreds of PCs set up, and we were able to play against the best teams from all over the world. And, you know, that was really kind of just the like, not only am I, I mean, like, I'm actually on the scene, you know, I'm these people I've been looking up to, I'm actually playing against them now. And that was kind of that like big moment, like, oh man, I've made it. And now the challenge actually begins. Wow. That, that's an awesome story. And what it really shows me is, is a few things. It, you know, it tells me a bit about community and really how important that is, especially if you're looking at something like esports. But it also shows me a different way of thinking and a different way of being a professional. I haven't been a professional esports player like many people haven't. But, you know, you thought about business differently, employment differently. Was this something that, you know, you were looking at as a career path or was this more something that you were doing because you just couldn't get enough of? Definitely a bit of both. The passion is certainly there. It was really tricky at the time because, as you said, it was like really early in esports. Contracts are few and far between. But there is a lot of money coming into it. Like I, I would have very much liked it to be more of a full career. And actually, there's ways I think it could have, which is kind of a whole different story. But in terms of like career-wise, it was just such an unstable environment. And there was like a new version of Counter-Strike that came out, which was actually much worse gameplay-wise, especially like as a pro, when you know the movement and all the mechanics like in and out. And then they released this game, which looks better, but is actually much worse. It was kind of like a tough pill to swallow. You know, like all this money's being pumped into the other version, but it's it's really just not the same. And that and with kind of the inconsistencies in the scene overall, it was like, well, and me being a young man at the time, it was it was actually an easy choice to say, hey, like this scene isn't like I'm putting so much into this, but is this scene like ready for what I'm putting into it? And I I I know people who stuck through it and survived through kind of like the esports winter. And came out on the other side and became extremely famous Twitch streamers or, you know, uh, were there when the sponsors were ready to enter the scene fully. Right. So, yeah, it was an interesting time and I don't regret a single thing. I would have obviously liked to, like, competed longer. That's something I still think about a little bit. But the things I learned from moving on are invaluable as well. Let's talk a little bit about that moving on, because obviously you found the Web3 NFT space. How did you get introduced to that? And what was it like once you entered that world? Completely different world. And so ready for it. I haven't gotten a feeling like being early somewhere since esports until I found the NFT space. It was 100% mm. the, a very similar feeling. And this time I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm leaving early. Um, but in terms of finding it, you know, I was, I was gaming a lot, like all the time. And I was just looking for something more and keep reading about stuff. You keep hearing about stuff on Twitter. And I was just so curious. I, I couldn't ignore that. And so my gaming times have, have taken a pretty big hit since September, October, when I got into the space, but I'd say it's been worth it. I'm having just as much fun, if not more doing what I'm doing now. So you work on the Kingdom of Dwarves project, which we're huge fans of. And Chris is so, you know, in the weeds with that project also. You know, tell us a bit about, you know, your role with Kingdom of Dwarves and how that came to be. Yeah, I love this one because I'm also a huge fan of Kingdom of Dwarves and the team there and the community there. And it started out really, you know, kind of innocently just researching 
tons of NFTs in different discords, trying to find some real stuff. And, you know, like this was the one that stuck out. It's like, yeah, this is like real people who are not only invested in their project, but they're having fun doing it, doing events, like role playing, you know, and so that like really stuck out. And I just wanted to be a good community member. You know, I just liked being a part of it. My gaming hours are down, my NFT hours are up, and I found a place that's really cool. So it just kind of started that way. And like, you know, I remember at first, it's like, oh, who, all these names, it's so hard to keep track of even the, the team, you know, even the dev team and all these awesome people I'm meeting in Discord. And then it got more familiar over time. And, you know, you like DM with people, you start to get to know people a little bit. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is like my NFT home. And so it was cool to just enter it as like a fan, you know, someone who just appreciates the project. Um, so you got to tell us about what the kingdom building is like, because uh, the first thing that stood out to me is you said, hey, Chris, I'm going to build you a castle. So I was like, yes, I'm in. Of course, who doesn't want their own castle? What has gone into that? I know you have help. I know you have people within the project that help you build things. But what is that project really looking like? How is it shaping out? What are some of the the milestones that you're looking to hit? You know, it was a pretty big start getting into the project, getting into NFT worlds in Minecraft. And so, you know, my attitude was just to like absorb as much information as I could every day. And that's paid off hugely. The work process is really fun because there's a lot of different elements to it. You know, in any given day, I'll be terraforming natural landscapes, mapping out where kingdoms go in relation to each other, all to scale doing you know actual building projects uh and then like helping run events and get people into the project so it's a lot of different pieces and i love the building i've got all these sweet tools set up so i can build in mass and get a lot done and i'm really looking forward to getting this first like really big phase of the build done which is going to be the inner realms kind of the inner kingdoms of kingdom of dwarves and so getting that squared away and set up so that players can enjoy that is a big goal and that'll also come with some gameplay features or uh little like mini games that people can partake in and so that's like there's a big push right now going towards kind of getting the game where it feels more like an open beta where like all the the gameplay elements are there and people can enjoy that as well as we can continue developing so that's really the big milestone we're working towards now and some of that will also mean integrating things that NFT Worlds is developing. But so far, it's like, you know, uh, our destiny is in our own control. And it's all about building out this world and getting it ready. Getting ready for Web3. I would love to hear more about why this is important for you to make come true. Like, why is it important to take on this responsibility at the Kingdom of Doors on this project as a builder? And, you know, what do you think it can lead up to, you know, looking years into the future? Awesome question. I love this. You know, it was important to me from the start because there was this really neat synchronistic moment of just finding Kingdom of Dwarves and finding NFT worlds and feeling really strongly about those projects. And then talking to one of the devs, Doey, I was, you know, making a pitch like, hey, we should try and get an NFT worlds for dwarves because they just fit so well together in terms of like what Minecraft is as a game and how dwarves fit into that so naturally. And then it turns out, Doey tells me, hey, I just picked up a couple NFT worlds a week ago or something like that. And <laughs> and then it was on. And 
you know, he was like, yeah, we're just going to need somebody to build it. And the wheels started turning in my head. And I was even like, yeah, who am I going to get to build this? You know, like, I know people like we can, we can get this done. And then it just dawned on me. It was like, no, it, like it has to be me. Like it really mm-hmm. does kind of have to be me. You know, I'm the one that's like so into this from both sides and, you know, leading into like, where does this go from here? And where is this going? Uh, what's like even multi-year plan? That's what's really cool about being tapped into NFT worlds and having such a great project to do it with, like Kingdom of Dwarves. Because in like a very realistic outlook, NFT worlds is more like mm, creating a foundation around a video game rather than creating a game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like a tech platform. And I think they're a perfect example of how you can take something from Web 2 to Web 3. Right. They're building all the foundation around that to make that happen. Like, you know, verifying NFTs in your wallet, having a full, robust token economy. And so getting dwarves tapped into that is really huge in terms of NFT worlds being 10,000 worlds that all share a token and share an economy. I think that's a really cool thing to tap into. It's not just tapping into NFT worlds, it's tapping into, you know, 100 million people that have played Minecraft. It's something that's like already been done and already has so much game developed around it that it's really cool to see a team with kind of the what's the word you know they they see the opportunity to build around something that already exists i think that's that's really cool and so where that project goes over the near and long-term future i think it's really cool that kingdom of dwarves has a place in that community and within those ten thousand worlds and within that economy of ten thousand worlds you know, I had no idea that there were only 10,000 worlds. So when I saw that number, I was like, oh my gosh, how much does it cost to have a world? So what is the floor price on that world and, and how does rarity play into that economy? Yeah, so I think right now, the floor for an NFT world is around 10 Ethereum, which is awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, that's nice. And like, I remember I found it at like 0.15. Get out of here. Yeah, and I, I had no liquidity at the time. There was no way I was picking one up. And I was just sitting there like, yep, this is the best project ever. I wish I could get one. You know, a week later, it's at 0.5. Another week, it's at one. And I'm like, yep, missed the boat. <laughs> but oh, here we are man. building on one with like my home project. So it's like no sweat, no sweat at all. And tell us a little bit about the rarity. Oh, yeah, the rarity. So um, if you are on OpenSea and you look up NFT worlds, you pull up the picture, you'll see that there's all these resources and world geography types. And so some resources are rarer than others and some world geography types like biome types are rarer than others. And so this will affect your world as soon as you go into it. You know, your, your different biome types, you've got like your desert and plains, you've got your windswept hills, and then you've got resources. These All these things will make a matter for anybody who wants to just get into their world and start playing. And this totally matters for the Kingdom of Dwarves world, but at the same time, we're also like terraforming large patches of the world and also leaving some as original. So in terms of getting into an NFT world, some of these some of these worlds with unique resources and unique biomes, like they go for much more than the floor price. I think recently there was like a, a 50 Ethereum purchase for an NFT world with rare resources and biome types. Mm. And that's just wild. And I think that's so cool. It's crazy to think about what, you know, this digital world or worlds that we live in, 
you know, what it can really change into and the value that it could bring for, you know, you and being more and more submerged into the metaverse. What are some use cases that you're focused on or even looking at outside of the NFT space? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked that because I remember just a week ago, I saw how Minecraft was used in South Korea as a platform for orientation at university. I thought that was so cool because I saw this picture of all these Minecraft players in what looks like a lecture hall and they're all sitting there in their seats in Minecraft and there's the teacher up front and like that's just so cool, you know, like that's a, a real world application of metaverse in action. But in terms of like, you know, there's so much, so much more even from that, you know, any opportunity to gather, I think as we've seen in recent years is really important human to human contact. And I think we've also seen how it's accessible in more ways than we thought, you know, like the world's changing really fast. It is changing really fast. And one of the great things that I think you did was bring in a game factor to the NFT world. You actually sent everybody on a scavenger hunt. What did it really mean for you to to make that game for everybody and give everyone pretty much hours of enjoyment from something that came from your brain? That's, so much the goal like that's i think where a lot of times you know this really does feel like work because we're putting in all the time to create an experience so that other people can you know enjoy the world we're creating and so to create events that people can come in and just enjoy like that's so great just when people are in it and they're enjoying it and they're having fun together and joking around or falling and dying or you know it's just so cool. Like that really is kind of what it's all about for me from like a, from like a passion side, uh, just being a gamer and loving the experience for so many years. It's really cool to kind of be on the other side of things, be like putting in hours, customizing the server and researching stuff and, and just like building an experience. So like the scavenger hunt is so awesome. We've been having some arena battles and we're just going exploring together as a community yeah, that stuff is definitely, I think, like, what is at the core of what we're trying to do? So outside of the community aspects and, you know, just having fun and, you know, being in the, the metaverse, what are some advantages for someone to look at, you know, jumping into this while it's early? Like, what are you know some of the reasons why even members of Kingdom of Doors enjoy to be and play in this digital world? One thing that's really cool about it is it's a perfect platform in NFT worlds for helping tell the story of Kingdom of Dwarves. We have like really great team members, Insomniacs and uh, Aloe Farmer and Copper, like people that are so good at doing these story pieces and taking us on the journey that the dwarves are on. And so we've been able to build parts of the world to help take people on an adventure that's a part of that story. So people can be immersed in what we're doing in the lore of kind of the the dwarves world, they can hop in to that world together in Minecraft and in NFT worlds. And that's a really cool use case. And then there's also the advantage of being able to be in early. And, you know, we've had people winning whitelist tokens, winning NFTs. There's going to be more opportunities in the near future for even more sorts of uh, rewards for people that are participating. And that actually kind of brings me up to a, a distinction that I'm hearing in the in the crypto gaming space. And that's the difference between play to earn and play and earn. And I think we are definitely on that side of play and earn because this is something that as a gamer and as a community, we already want to do. And then we are rewarded 
for doing so rather than this it can kind of be lost in there this idea in play to earn where you're really playing just to earn you're grinding right. you're in there just putting in the hours and doing whatever you can to make money and so kingdom of doors is much more like story driven and we have like events based around things and so i think that play and earn distinction is is really important so we don't usually get sensational at all on this podcast but i i do have a question for you and that's this concept of the other metaverses there are plenty of other nft metaverse projects where they're showing this like supposed gameplay of like oh this is what the world's going to look like it's going to be very much like ready player one but to be honest with you there are plenty of gaming companies that have enough money that if the technology was ready they would do it but obviously we're not quite there so it's almost like nft worlds is probably the best you can probably get right now in terms of metaverse because when you're looking at several players on the same server with extreme graphics and interesting control dynamics it just doesn't seem like the technology is there yet what is your take on the current state of metaverses and those advanced metaverses that are, are coming up and how long do you think before we actually get to some of that this is a big one because you know being in gaming for so long you know that you can't get hyped about any release ever because it could totally tank mm -hmm. right like that is so real in gaming even the games that do great can have such a rough release and that kind of just speaks to the volume of problems that you can have when creating a world a game a metaverse it's really easy to put it on a, like a roadmap or a white paper but it's really hard to make a good game and so a lot of the metaverses are maybe a lot of them won't be so much a game as they will be like a social hub. And so maybe some of the, the game mechanics aren't as important for those ones. But I think overall, yeah, it's like very important to look at these projects and say, how long is this going to take? Because yeah, games are hard to develop. They take a lot of time, especially as you're saying, like some of the, like the really high end quality ones, I think the, it just takes longer to develop. Even if the technology is there, it just takes time. But so in terms of what's out there now and what is coming, and in relation to NFT Worlds, I've heard this even straight from the NFT Worlds devs that their goal is to be first and to do it right. Because being first matters. And I do believe that to be true, especially in the crypto space, like being first matters. But then being first and doing it right matters and that is where the minecraft advantage comes in and that's where it's more of nft worlds is like a tech platform disguised as a video game you know because the game's already built and that's some of the magic behind nft worlds the game is already built they don't have to compete with all these other teams to make the game it's already there and not only that minecraft being open source for the last 10 years they have all of these community plugins and things that are already there and I just try to imagine uh, Metaverse competing with that. Like, how, Where are they going to get 10 years of community creations? You know, or like, how, how can they compete with a game that's already created? And uh, to be fair, I'm like, so I've got my horse blinders on for NFT World <laughs> that I don't pay too much attention to uh, some of the other ones. But right. I know there's like, uh, there's ones with like 100,000 collections or something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a wild world. So I, I know people got to be careful, but... For sure, it's it's nice to be with one that's aiming to be early, and they are early, and they're they're doing stuff now. You know, like people are getting in games now.
So. So one area that I really identify with your story as is I'm a builder myself. I love to build all types of things, whether I'm building things with code, building things in a virtual world. I love every aspect of it. But what I learned, what I love about it, and the reason why I love it is because of the tools. I love having a great tool in my tool belt that I can you know, use to create even faster. Now that we have all these podcasting tools, we can do podcasting way faster. And it's, it's awesome. But you know, when you're looking at building in the digital world, in these digital worlds, what tool do you think that what, what tool do you need? What tool is yet to be built that would actually make your life easier? Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. In terms of what's already there, uh, I can just say this, like you were saying for tools, it's essential for anybody who wants to build an, an NFT world that there are a ton of tools out there and they will dramatically speed up the process. And so that was like the first thing I did was research those things and learn them. But in terms of what would expedite and make it even better, that's a tough one because I do feel like I'm working with such a developed project. I have all these awesome tools. I'm still just like still trying to, all, right? yeah, I'm still digesting all of these things I have access to and I've come so far. You know, some of the things that are already in place and coming with NFT worlds are like the things that they need. Um, one of those being the the launcher for it, where they can put all these different worlds in the same page where you can see and browse them. And I feel like that's, that's something you need for uh, a project like this, which is, it's not just a metaverse, it's technically a multi-metaverse. But so, you know, like people need these hubs they can go to. I feel like some of these other metaverses are really going to need some of the things NFT Worlds already has. I'm going to have to think on that because, yeah, that's a really good question. So now that we've talked about games, we've talked about metaverses, we've talked about NFTs, there are people out there that are like, I, I want in, sign me up. But really, where do people begin? How do people start to enter the metaverse? Because there is a bit of a learning curve, but it seems like that learning curve is starting to, to minimize. Obviously, there are folks that are hearing about NFT worlds for the first time. How do they find the servers that they would want to explore? Is there a place where they can shop around and say, oh, wow, this metaverse looks pretty cool. I'd love to join in. Or how do they even find the KOD metaverse? Like, What are some ways for people to join the metaverse today? Yeah, so there is some pretty cool stuff up on nftworlds.com. And in terms of what they're getting going for, kind of like the server browser, being able to see the world, see what sort of stuff is out there. And a lot of this is all like recent within the last month. It started with one server being visible and now there's over a dozen. They're all very unique and look really cool. In terms of getting into the metaverse and NFTs, NFT Worlds really is kind of the perfect one in terms of if you already have Minecraft, you already have NFT Worlds. Um, not only that, there's like a, a big focus for that project on like onboarding people from the gaming and Minecraft community. And that's really important because a lot of people, like you're saying, they're not going to know how to like buy Ethereum or Solana and transfer it to this wallet and set up, you know, deal with gas and all these different factors. But what NFT Worlds is doing is creating a, a gasless transaction system for their world token. And that's really important because it's going to enable players to not have to jump through all these hoops. They're just going to be able to like click a button on the NFT Worlds website. 
and it's going to take care of like uh, purchases with their world token or NFT management. They, you can link your Microsoft account on the NFT world site so it knows you own Minecraft. So nobody can pirate Minecraft to like try and use in this metaverse. So it's all like, you know, it's, it's all very professional. But focusing on things like making it accessible for new people is, is really huge because it's, it's so much to onboard people into the space and there's so much information. So like as easy as it can be made, like that's, that's so huge. So some of these things like gasless transactions and just being having a great hub where people can just click right into a game, I think just making it accessible, that's the sort of uh, foresight we're seeing from the project and definitely some of the reasons why I'm, I'm really high on it. Fantastic. Jiminy, it is an honor to hop on the mic with you. For the folks out there that want to stay up to date with you and all the great things that you're doing in this NFT world, what are the best ways that people can do that? They can join the Kingdom of Dwarves Discord. Uh, you can check out Kingdom Dwarves on Twitter, or my name is Jiminy Twitch on Twitter, but I'll definitely be in the Kingdom of Dwarves Discord. And yeah, you can always reach out. DMs are open. DMs are open. Those resources are also in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with Jiminy. Thanks again. We'll see everyone next time in the metaverse. <laughs>